Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. The section of Scripture we want to look at this morning in Matthew 6 as we continue in this prayer series is all about culture shock. And we're talking about the model prayer, and we've used the, the title FaceTime for this. And I hope you're familiar with FaceTime. Man, it is this new level of communication that's available. I say new, it's been around for quite a few years. But you know, if you're talking on the phone, you can do about anything else you want, can't you? I mean, some of you even drive. You know, and I encourage you, please stop doing that. But some of you drive, you talk on the phone, you can read, you can cook, you can do all kinds of things. But if you're FaceTiming, you're there, aren't you? It's like uh, Easter morning, I was homesick with COVID. And at the end of the service, I get this FaceTime from my son. And I'm like, man, what's going on? And I got to meet Colt DeSico, Colin Jenny's new baby, first time. And it was right there. And I got to talk to them and see the baby and, and all of that. It was just so much better than just a phone call. Andrea Bishop uh, moved from here a few months ago back to Indiana. I always sat right down here. And about once a week, I get a FaceTime from her. And we get to talk and, and share and see how she's doing back there. And I love it. And, and the, the reason we called this prayer series this, our goal is that we get to where our prayer time is a little more intentional. It's not just that I'm going to pray actually while I'm doing something else and my mind is someplace else. But for FaceTime, you got to be right there with them. And we're trying to learn how to be right there with God when we're having this prayer time. How can we be intentional and protected and everything right while we're having this. So we're doing that and we're talking about the Lord's Prayer as we work through this because I don't know about you, but if I'm not careful, my prayers can get pretty uh, transactional. You know, kind of the let's make a deal kind of thing, you know, or like, well, God, I need you to do this because that's, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, or, or we get kind of like the, uh, the drive-through fast food, which I don't do a lot anymore, but you know, when you drive through, you pull up and you give your order and you pull up to the window and you pay and then you pull up and get your food, hopefully, right? But have you ever had the one where they go, hey, if you just pull over to sign number two, we'll bring it out in a few minutes? And I'm like, what? I thought this was fast food. I gotta wait two or three minutes? You know, and you're just like, what, what for a hamburger and a milkshake? You know, and we get all, and I think sometimes our prayer lives, we get the same way, don't we? Hey, God, I need this. I'm gonna pull up to the window. I went to church Sunday. Where is it? What, you mean I gotta wait? You know, and we just kind of like our prayer lives get in this transactional Mode And so we're trying to learn how do we actually have a really good prayer time. So a little bit of review. A couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Jimmy or, or Bobby James or Roberto or if you're here last week, you know, Jimmy's whole identity crisis that he had when he was a child. But, but Jimmy, he talked about our father and the relational point that makes. That changes everything when we understand that we have a relationship with God. It, um, I went to Walmart yesterday, had to buy a new flag, put on the flagpole for the fourth. But if you had walked up to me in Walmart and we started a conversation, that's very legit. You know, if I'm your pastor or if I'm your friend, we would have talked about some things. Even if you said, hey, Gary, can you pray for me this? I would have probably prayed for you right then and that would have been legit. But if we're walking through the line together and go, hey, Gary, would you buy me a candy bar? That would have just been weird. You know, and I would have bought it for you, but man, I'd have talked about you in staff this week. <laughs> I'd have said, you won't believe the crazy thing that happened. I meet so-and-so in Walmart and we're like talking and then they, they asked me to buy him a candy bar. Can you believe that? 
Now, that's weird if you did it, but if my kids were with me or my grandkids and said, hey, Pops, will you buy me a candy bar? That's not weird at all. When we say our Father, that grants us this relational opportunity to ask things, to share our heart with him. And so Jimmy talked about the importance of that relationship that we have with our Father. And then the second week was holy is your name, hallowed be thy name. And the importance of that understanding of the holiness. To me, when I get to that part of the prayer, it's kind of like, remember the old cameras that didn't have autofocus, and if you had a nice lens and you had to turn it till you got it clear? That's what I'm doing when I say that. I'm just reminding, God, you're holy and I'm not. And holy is your name, and I want to make sure my perspective is really clear on and the focus of who you are. And, and who I am, and it's just setting the tone, adjusting the lens, my perspective for my time with God when I say that. And then this morning, we're gonna talk about the next verse, verse 10, but I want us to say the prayer together, okay? We've done this each week, let's say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. We're gonna be in Matthew 6 and verse 10. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're gonna look at that verse, your kingdom come. Jesus talked about the kingdom a lot. I mean, that was a part of his language. He, he would, if you read this whole Sermon on the Mount, I didn't count it, but there's all, he said, you've heard it said, but I tell you, in the kingdom, this is how you live. Or the kingdom of heaven is like, or, or he would constantly talk about kingdom things. And we are saying, uh, your kingdom come, we're making that part of a vocabulary that's not typically who we are. I mean, we don't live in a kingdom. You know, if you hear the word kingdom, what do you think? Oh, I'm at church or I'm in England, or I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm at church because you think kingdom and you think king, and it's not our vocabulary that we have. So when we're praying this, it's an adjustment for us to realize that this is countercultural to how we think, that we have this king and kingdom mentality, and when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, it is a submission this is the part of the prayer where after we acknowledge he's our father and that you know, he is holy, that we're saying, I am completely submitting to the authority of who you are. You know, the word savior is used about 24 times in the New Testament, and we like that, don't we? We refer to Jesus as our savior, savior from our sins, savior, so, you know, he saved us. But more than 700 times the word Lord is used in the New Testament. And we don't use that a lot. We don't talk about Lord because Lord is a positional thing. It means that there's an authority over us. In our men's uh, groups, uh, two, two of the groups are using the same book, Experiencing God. And this past week, there was one of the daily devotions that talked about the realization that when we are freed from our sin, we become bondservants to God. You know, we're moving from slavery serving sin to slavery serving God. Paul called himself a bondservant. And sometimes we like to celebrate our freedom, but we don't like to acknowledge that God now is Lord of our life, that he calls the shots, that he's the boss. So when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, it's a huge understanding. It's saying, wow, I just need to constantly be reminded of who's in charge and who calls the shots, and who makes the rules.
There's some assumptions we can make from, from these statements. And when we say your kingdom come, then I think it's safe to assume that it's possible for God's will not to be done. You know, and, and we all are aware that we choose that way too often. That when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, we're acknowledging that sometimes my will gets done instead. And that I'm aware that every time that I don't live out Jesus' explanation of the kingdom, every time I don't do the things he called me to do, every time I don't, don't respond the way I should, react the way I should, think the way I should, speak the way I should, every time I don't, I'm negating what I'm praying. So when I get up and pray that every morning, your kingdom come, your will be done, what I'm saying is not my will. Every time I'm tempted for my human sinful nature to step in in attitude and action, God, I want to submit that to you. I want your will. So every time I'm tempted to post something, respond to something, react to something, say something, judge something, be up in the air, every time I'm tempted to do that, I don't want to because I want your kingdom to come. So we assume, it's safe to assume that when we say your will be done, that sometimes it's not. I think another assumption is that we can experience the kingdom now. I think sometimes we think, well, the kingdom is, is when we say that, we're praying for Jesus to come back. We're just praying for heaven. Yet Jesus constantly talked about his kingdom on earth. In Mark 12, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders and he said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is the kingdom, the church is the kingdom on earth. The one that's supposed to be always expanding, always sharing, always influencing other people. God wants to use this for his will to come about on earth through the kingdom that he's established. And that's why it's so important in community and that we're here and that we're a part of that. And and I just want to take a minute and shout out to you that are watching online. Man, we love that you can do that. And we respect that maybe health-wise, some of you still can't get out, but some of you have just gotten lazy. And you can worship online, but you can't be the church online. We're not called to just set and consume. We're called to serve and to share our gifts and to bear one another's burdens. And we got to do that in community. And I just encourage you, you know, get back out there. I, I love watching church online. When we were down with COVID and we recorded all the services on Tuesday, I've told you some of this, Linda and I watched them on Sunday morning on the causeway. That was a pretty good way to do church. You know, roll out to the causeway, get up our chairs, our cooler, prop the phone up on there and do church. But that wasn't church. That was worship. And I appreciated that we had to do that for a while, but this is the kingdom. This is where it comes when we get together and when we share. And so I just encourage you, you know, uh, think about getting back out and being part of that. The third thing we can assume is that the kingdom will be culturally opposite of the world. If we read this, this prayer, this uh, model prayer in the context of the, of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives us, man, he is telling us a ton of countercultural things. He is telling us right up to the time he leads us. I mean, go back and read the fifth chapter where he starts out with the Beatitudes, but then he, he jumps down. He's like, uh, in verse 41 of chapter five, um, or actually before that, he says, don't resist an evil person. If somebody slaps you, say, hey, hit me again. <laughs> Offer the other cheek. If you're sued for your shirt, give him your coat too. If a soldier demands you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. That's where go the extra mile came from. When under, under the Roman control, a Roman soldier could say to any Jewish person, hey, pick up my stuff and carry it for a mile. And they counted off a thousand steps. Jesus says, when you get down to a thousand steps and the soldier says, you can lay it down now, say, nah, I'll do another one. I got another one for you. 
It is so countercultural when we say your kingdom come. That means I'm going to live completely different than the world. Matthew 5, 43, he goes on and he says, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. So how does this play out? I can tell you how it plays out for me, and it's difficult. It's easy to pray that prayer. It's hard to live out a kingdom life. So in the last, in the last week or two, you know, Olympic trials. We all got to see the young lady stand on the podium and turn her back on the... My first response was anger. And I'm like, how dare she? But I've been reading this about kingdom stuff and I'm like how dare I God she needs Jesus I don't know her background I don't know her story I don't know what's been done to her but I know people were at the Olympics and at the Olympic trials there simply to evangelize and to share the message of Jesus put somebody in her path that shows her she's got freedom she's got joy she doesn't have to have that when we decide to say kingdom living we give up the rights to be angry and mad and mean That's not kingdom living. And Jesus never said it'd be easy. Rick Warren said we can be, we can hold on to our convictions and still be compassionate. Lately, the world knows our convictions as Christians, but they've not seen our compassion because our words are not kind and our judgments are not honoring God. When I say your kingdom come, Your will be done. Every time something happens that my world nature, my sinful nature wants to reply to and get mad about, I have to go, God, your kingdom come. What would you have me do in this situation? How can I show compassion? I don't have to agree, but me being angry and hateful doesn't help anything. That's not the kingdom living. So if we're gonna pray this, then we have to start applying it. My thoughts, my words, my response will be different. A few, a few uh, verses later after Jesus gave him this model prayer, he, he said, here's how you do that. You seek first the kingdom of God. You seek the kingdom of God first. You just gotta make it first in everything you do. So every morning we get up and we say, okay, God, I'm not just ritually rolling through this prayer. I'm gonna say, my, our Father in heaven, thank you for being my Father and thank you for the holiness of your name. And God, here's the hard part. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in everything today, in every action, in every attitude. I don't want to be known for my meanness. I don't want to be known because I take a stand. I'm not going to badmouth people that vote differently than me, that think differently than me, that live differently than me, because that will never have any impact on them to come into the kingdom. You know, me letting them know where I stand doesn't honor God. Me showing them that God loves them honors God. And so when I pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, it changes, changes me. I love Jan Karen. She's an author, and uh, she wrote, uh, she's written a lot of stuff, but one of my favorite series, if you just want a good, peaceful series to read, it's called the Midford series. And it's uh, about 12 books, and it's about Father Tim. He's this little priest that takes care of this little town. I think it's a Presbyterian church, and never really says, but, but he takes care of this. And in, in the first couple books, he starts talking about the prayer that never fails, and so he'll be, he'll say, we'll just pray the prayer that never fails. And the prayer that never fails. And I'm like, when are we ever going to hear it? You have to read like four or five books before you get the prayer that never fails. But it's that, it's your will be done. That's the prayer that never fails. Your will be done. So how do we do that? Let me give us a couple of things as we walk through this week. 
How is this more than just words, me saying your kingdom come, you'll be done? Well, number one, I have to know what kingdom living looks like. I gotta know, not what church world looks like, what kingdom living looks like, what Jesus said, what the Bible says my attitude should be. And I can't just blow off and pick and choose the ones that I like. If I'm gonna say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, then I'm gonna have to humble myself In this whole teaching, Jesus started this whole thing with the Beatitudes. What was the very first one? Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? The poor in spirit, because you gotta have the right attitude if we're gonna live in this kingdom. It's gotta be putting others ahead of ourselves. And he said, blessed are those who mourn. And what do we mourn? We mourn our sin. Every time we have an attitude that's not kingdom living, we should mourn that. And that causes us to walk in meekness because We're honoring God, not ourselves, and our appetites. We hunger and thirst for the righteous things because that's what's gonna bring God honor. And then we show mercy to everybody around us. And he said, then you're gonna be pure in heart. And you're gonna be a peacemaker and you're gonna be persecuted for it, but that's okay because then you'll be salt and light and you'll be the city on the hill that can't be hidden. He said, that's what kingdom living looks like. And then he went on and he talked about all the different, the world says this, you've heard it said this, but this is what I say. And so when I say your kingdom come, you'll be done. I gotta know what kingdom living looks like. And too often, we don't want to know what this says. We just want to bring our, well, kingdom living for me is going to church for an hour on Sunday. Really doesn't matter what I do during the week. Doesn't matter about my language. Doesn't matter about, you know, things that I do that maybe don't honor God. But as long as I, you know, as long as I don't know, it won't hurt anybody. And so instead of finding what God calls us to live in the kingdom, we just live in church. And if we're going to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. It is countercultural and it is hard, but it's what changes lives. And it's what impacts people. The second thing we need to do is just be enthusiastic participant. I love the last seven words. On earth as it is in heaven. I don't know what that means to you, on earth as it is to heaven. I know we are limited by our human scope of being able to think. And so we can't know what heaven is like other than to put it in human context. But I just picture, (laughs) I just think... If it was done in heaven like it is on earth sometimes, can you imagine God thinking of something that needs to be done and going, hey, I think we should do this, and the angel's going, oh, man, can't you just leave stuff alone? Change, come on. It's been good like it is. You know? Or can you see God saying, hey, Gabriel, I'd like to, me? I did it last time. Isn't it Michael's turn? You know, can you just see that? But I think it's just the opposite. I, I think the beings in heaven are just on the edge of their seat all the time. They're just waiting, waiting for God to think something, to want something, to want something done so that they can be like, yeah, yeah, me, me. I want to, I want to do that because I want to bring God honor. I want to serve God. I want to bring him glory. Everything. I have this, this anticipation of participation in God's kingdom. What would change if that was our attitude? What if when I prayed your kingdom come your will be done. I was like, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. You know, your kingdom come. So that, that nasty neighbor or that family member I haven't forgiven or that attitude I have or that neighbor that, that votes differently than me or, or that person who thinks differently about masks, all those people that I've been mad and angry and not at all like the kingdom of God for the last six months or a year, what if I decided to God, I'm gonna completely be about your kingdom. It's gonna blow their mind when I'm kind and loving and forgiving It's going to blow their mind when I'm more concerned about honoring you than making a point. What would change if we had this 
extravagant passion to say your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, in me, in my family, in my home, is where it starts, like it is in heaven. An eagerness to serve God. That's when everything changes in us and in the people around us. This is more than just a quick prayer to recite. Man, this is life-changing. When we start praying it the way Jesus, I think, meant for us to pray it. We want to pray for you. If you're connected with us online this morning, uh, we've posted several different ways to be connected. We hope that you'll reach out to us this morning. If you're in the room and you want to know more about being connected to God, as soon as the service is over, we'll be right down front. If you want somebody to pray for you, meet you at the cross. We want to say this prayer again. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's stand. Next week we'll continue with this prayer, learning how to make it an important part of our life. Let me pray. God, I thank you for the day. I thank you for your word. God, thank you for inviting us into your kingdom for being our father. God, I pray that we begin to approach it with a little more enthusiasm. God, convict us of the times that we operate in our will and not yours. We want to make a difference that honors you. Protect us now as we celebrate this day in our nation, as we celebrate with friends. Uh, God, protect everyone in the path of this storm. God, write an amazing story for us as we look for opportunity to bring you honor today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Give somebody a hug. Have a great week. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.